this episode of Masonic Improvement, we discuss how history is both a strength and a weakness in our fraternity, the importance of guarding the West Gate, discussing Freemasonry and politics, the importance of making meetings special, how we should dress for lodge, investing in your officers and your building, the victim mentality that's prevalent in Freemasonry and our dues. We have a very well-rounded conversation for you today. I'm your host, Justin Jones, and welcome to Masonic Improvement. Before we get started, I'd like to give a shout out to Brother Francisco Garcia, a past master of Hidalgo Lodge, number 1036. If you liked his tunes, I'm going to include a link to his SoundCloud and his YouTube channel. Be sure to go by and check him out and show him some love. My guest this evening is a brother that needs very little introduction to many of you. I present to you the guru of Goliath, Brother Dennis Yates. Thank you so much for coming to my show today, Dennis. Thank you. Glad to be here. So let's just get right into it. Tell me a little bit about your Masonic background. Well, I, um, I became a, a Mason in 2009. I lived up in McKinney at the time. And, um, you know, that was, of course, the, the time when, when uh, National Treasure was big on, on TV and all that. And it was kind of intriguing. And I had heard that, you know, I, I knew that my grandfather was a Mason and, and he was a 32nd degree Scottish Rite Mason as well. And, and so that, that was always really cool. And I had always, whenever I talked to any of the older people in my family, they always had a lot of reverence for the Masons that, that they knew and, and the ones in, in our family. Uh And I just felt like that's the man that I wanted to be. I wanted to be the man that, that my family will look at later and, and feel like I wasn't just another participant in life, but I was, I was a, uh, a, uh, a mover and a doer, somebody who, who actually, uh, shape this future and not just and not just uh lived in the moment mm-hmm. so i joined in 2009 and and shortly after that um i was raised to uh well i say shortly after that i actually and and i'll be completely honest because it it it's it, it just goes to show that you can't give up on somebody i actually um came to the end of that year period before I did my, my turned in my work. And, and, but then after I did, I just turned it all in, just bam, bam, bam. It was, it was within, you know, a six month period, it was all done. Mm-hmm. And I amazed myself that I waited so long to, 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 to you know, just do it. So I, I recommend to all people just do it. Don't, don't beat around the bush, just get it done. And, and it's a lot easier than you think. Excellent. And then, uh, Shortly after that, I became a uh, Knights Templar member of the commandery. Uh, the commandery meets in McKinney at St. John's 51, and it, it's a very active lodge. And, and I was very fortunate to, to be raised there. And uh, and it, I, I immediately was was uh, was busy, and and was glad to be. Was glad to be. I I'd always volunteered for everything that needed to be done, and and. Um, and it was well received. Mm-hmm. Then I um, I took a bit of a break. I had a um, 
I was, I had a divorce with my wife at the time and, and which I'm not very proud of. I, I don't believe in divorce. So, um, something I don't really talk about a whole lot, but I did. And I, I took a break from Freemasonry at the same time. I, I had a hard time at that time. I, I went into my show, but then I came back into it. And, um, when I got to Goliad, I became a member of Goliad after that. And, and, um, and really started getting involved and, and just uh, picked up right where I left off. Excellent. And so here, here I am today. I'm past master of Goliad 94, and I'm also a member of the Scottish Rite. Um, I'm a member of the education committee in, in the San Antonio Valley. Pretty excited about that. That's, 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 uh, that's always a fun time. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, it, and I'm also a member of AMD Council, the uh, King Solomon's uh, Sword Council, at Army Council in, in San Antonio. Okay. So it's, uh, it's very cool, very fun, very eventful. Let's talk a little bit about expectations versus reality. Um, obviously, you know, you've had Freemasonry built up quite a bit you know, by people around you before you went in. So everyone, everyone joins with these preconceived notions. What were your expectations versus your reality when you got into the fraternity? That's an interesting question. When, when I was raised in, in McKinney, you know, McKinney is a Vanguard Lodge. Mm -hmm. They're, they're doing things. They're always, they've always got events going on and, and there's always something happening. And when, when, when I went into Lodge, most of, of all the officers would always wear a jacket and tie. Most of the, the members did. You know, it was just that kind of an environment. Um, so it pretty much met my expectations. Mm -hmm. When I started going to some of the rural lodges, that's where I saw it wasn't quite the same. And, and not all the same events would happen. There, there wasn't the, the same uh, dynamics in, in the rural lodge that the rural lodges that I, that I, you know, gone to visit. I think the, well, the dynamic is different. It's more of a, a social um, fellowship scenario in, in the rural lodges because everybody already knows each other. So mm -hmm. it's just getting together, cutting up, having fun, having a good meal together and, and, um, and, and showing brotherly love. And now at, in the same token, with the rural lodges, you'll have something that I saw when when I hit my my tough point with my ex-wife, I had two members that that came to me and and took hold of me and and said, "You know, I'm here for you, brother. Whatever you need, this is it." And they and they did. They took care of me, and I'll never forget. Them. And but here in in Goliad, for instance. You know, when I, when, when we had that big freeze just not too long ago, I had a brother that, that came by to check on me that, that, you know, I had a generator and everything going, but, uh, my heater had given up on me. And, and so it was kind of a tough time and he went and grabbed the heater and, and brought it over and, and told me to keep it and, and whatnot. And, you know, it's just that kind of a dynamic. We check on each other more. We see each other more. We're more involved in each other's lives. It's um, it's just a little bit of a different dynamic. Interesting. But, but um, 
but as far as my expectations with both of them, I didn't really get the education that I was looking for in the allegory and and uh, the mystic nature of, of our fraternity. So that's that's the only thing that I really see falling short in in most in most areas, or at least with me, with my experience. Okay. You mentioned that you you know you're in Scottish Rite and York Rite. Which do you prefer? What's your favorite? <laughs> Pick your point. Putting you on the spot. Well, I joined the York Rite first because my mother's maiden name is York. And so I felt like that was probably a natural way for me. And plus, I was Christian, and, and everybody said that was that followed more of the blue degrees, and then the, the Scottish Rite follows more of the red degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, I love them both. And I think if, if anyone joins either one of those and actually puts some effort into it to learn what they're doing and learn what they're a part of, then um, because we can blame the lodges all we want to, we can blame the the uh, the the uh, fraternity all we want to. I, I put a lot of thought into this, but if if we don't, if we're not willing and not interested to to learn, if we're not you know eager and and showing that interest, we're not going to learn anything anyways. There are guys that know the there are guys that know the secrets. But you gotta, you have to find out who those guys are, and if you're not active, you won't find out who those guys are. Mm-hmm. But um, I do have to say that I, I enjoy the Scottish Rite more. I, I have more fun in in that. Um, there's, um, you know, being part of the education committee, we we go down so many different rabbit holes with you know, books uh, like the Pillars of Wisdom, the Kabbalion, um, this next, this next, uh, after the next reunion, we're going to start a series on the actual degrees. So every month we're going to be going through the degrees and, and what they mean and what these people just went through and, and uh, put some meaning behind, you know, the, the, uh, the story. I love it. So I, I really like that aspect of, of what, what I do there. What are, what are the strengths and weaknesses in our fraternity? This is strictly my opinion. This is not, <laughs> not large, the Scottish Rite or York Rite. This is strictly the opinion of Dennis Yates. I think that a lot of people probably agree that our biggest strength is our history. And um, the brothers in our in history that have brought good light to our fraternity. I think that's our biggest strength. It's our biggest asset. I think um, the philanthropy that that has been that has come about from brothers that felt motivated after joining our fraternity. Um, I think that's a strength. We we you know not only do we believe it, but we show it, and people can see it. Our biggest weakness is our history in the last in the last 10 to i'd say 65 years we've been in a decline and in the last 10 to 30 years we we 
it, it seems like we're stuck in a mode of that's not how it's always been done. And, you know, when really that, it, that period in time is, is not how it was always done. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we aren't really going back further to our real history and, and reliving that. I am so excited about Waco doing that trestle board. I, I wish I, I had the time to, to go up there. I've got such a busy schedule. I'm, I'm trying to carve it out and, and get the okay from my wife. But golly, that would be so cool. It looks like a lot of fun. I know. I, <laughs> I'm so jealous, you know, sitting there, <laughs> sitting there in, a, in a room of, of brothers having dinner and, and uh, just talking Freemasonry. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. And, yeah. and I think we're missing the boot on that. Well, I think we've gotten into, uh, into a, um, let's have our, our monthly meeting and, and go home and we'll see you again next month at the monthly meeting. And, and I think that's our biggest weakness. Yeah. I, think, I think being that that's all that young brothers are seeing, we're losing young brothers because of that. Because they're not being fed what they thought they were gonna get from the allegory and, and the and the mystic mystic teachings of, of the ancients. You know, we we don't dig into that in, in Blue Lodge and, and and we wonder why we lose those guys to the appendant bodies and, and to the and and back into the real world. They just stop coming all together because they're not being fed what what they thought they were gonna be fed. Yeah. It's a bait and switch if you think about it. Exactly. Well, when when they show up, we tell them about all of our fabulous history. We -hmm. tell them about our fabulous philanthropy. We tell them about all the things that that Freemasons have done, all of our forefathers that built this great nation. And yet we fall short to to live up to any of those expectations. And if you do talk about, you know, you're going to run for for city council or you're going to do this or that, you get scolded for talking politics in in freemason yeah we'll get to that we'll get to that before we're done here (laughs) but yeah i mean we when we when we when people ask what we do you know you have your catchphrases you know you know um we take good men and make them better um system morality villain allegory illustrated by symbols you know pick one there's there's a handful of them right but that's what we that's what we kind of wave in front of people's faces but that's not what we actually deliver. That's not the value we offer. So right. it's, it's any, any organization that did something like that, you know, that said that they did one thing and then never actually did it is, is it's in trouble. There's no other way to put it. You can't, if you don't provide what you offer, you're, you're, you're in, I mean, it's, it's just, it's not sustainable. Right. People aren't going to pay good money to um to go to a meeting every month and 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 go home yeah a business meeting that really doesn't do anything but say i approve the bills okay good night mm-hmm. you know that's people people aren't going to stick around for that we we have to add meaning to to our meetings in my opinion not to make that a catchphrase but i, I think that's a reality yeah if you go to any other organization like Lions Club or Rotary or, or pick your animal club, right? Any one of them, there's some kind of program, you know, that's, it's the, it's the meat of the meeting. 
you're still handling your business, but there's still actually something that's enjoyable there. You know, there's something you get value from. We don't offer that typically. Right. It would, it would be just like going to church and, and, and all you do is your business meeting and then you go home. You don't praise and worship. You don't, you know, have your Sunday school. You don't learn something, mm-hmm. you know, church got it right. There is a, one of my favorite Masons and I, and I, and, uh, and I'm not going to mention any names or anything, but he, he said, you know, the first business of church is staying in business. Yeah. The second business in church is, is worship and, and learning about God. Mm-hmm. And now this is a, a past minister. He, he was a minister. So he, if anybody knows, it's him. Well, it's the same thing with us. You know, if, if we're not, um, if the only thing we're doing is, is talking about our business woes, our business meeting woes, and, and not delivering on the, on the substance of, of our craft, then what are we doing there? Yeah. We, we have to rethink what we're doing. What can we do about it? I'm glad you asked. I have a whole different page on that. I think there's a, a lot of things that, that we have to do and it all ties in together. It, the, the very first thing, and, and I was looking at this in, in the lines of, of, uh, of from start to finish, bringing in a Mason and, and what, we're, what we're doing with them. The very first thing is guarding the Westgate. So what typically happens with, with, our fraternities at this point is is everybody's so worried about falling short on 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 cash flow that anybody that shows interest at all they throw an application at them and tell them to have dinner and at the end of that dinner they have signatures for for whoever you know walks through the door mm-hmm. you know they talk to them and they they act like they know them and then they expect that the investigation committee is going to do their job and 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 really do a, a solid investigation on this person before they come into the lodge. That's just not happening in most of our lodges. No, it's not. A lot of people don't realize that the most solid Masons are the ones who felt feel bound to the brothers that brought them in. So when when you're accountable to somebody you're gonna you're gonna going to push a little bit harder to be successful in that area that's why i have mentors mentors in this in this fraternity i have several that are 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 very that have been very successful in in what they've done and and they're very influential and 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 uh they're just awesome people and i strive to be as cool to them as they are to me so so i work harder so when when we think about our inner circle we think about people that are like-minded and 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 think a lot along our lines the guys that we can that when we're at a party we step aside and we're talking about some of the 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 coolest things in life and and uh really get along so you know those those are the people that that we really should be asking why don't you belong to to any fraternity why aren't you a lot of them though they already belong to things like the rotary club the lions club things like that and so they just don't have time and that's a shame that that 
that we don't have more of those members of other clubs, you know, in ours as well. But I think that the we should put more focus on the on the inner circles that we have. And but even with that, we have to be careful of of who we ask to join and not just anybody. You know, I personally both my boys are are well over the age of being Masons and, and I'm not ready to to sign off on either one of their petitions. Uh-huh. And it's not because they're not good men. They are. One of them is is just outstandingly uh, an outstandingly strong father, and the other one is is um, man. You you name a, a, a social happening in this world right now, and he's all a part of it. He's uh-huh. you know he, he is woke. <laughs> but but they're so intelligent though that you know they just absorb everything and remember everything so well, and they're just well-rounded guys. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that they can support our fraternity. They're they're not they're not at a point in life that they can afford all the Freemasonry that that they want. And I I just want to wait until I don't have to have that concern before I sign that petition. I understand. You know, because I I want our our fraternity to be strong with with people that that care enough to not only show up but support our fraternity. That's number one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Number two, stop putting brand new Masons in the line. That's crazy talk. That's crazy. When when you got to think about it, we're taking good men and making them better. They haven't gotten any better just by learning the memorization work. They're, all they've done is learn the memorization work. They hadn't even learned why they did what they did. Mm-hmm. So that's what they should be doing right after they finish. When, they, when they're newly raised, when they become a master mason, we should have some kind of program to shift them into to really, to really dive into what they just came out of. Yes. I, I think that would be the, the best thing for our fraternity. And not only would it, would it, support the uh, the the interests of the allegory and the and the mystical sense of of what we're going through it gives them a, a, a better reason to keep their lips closed I see. To, to not you know just blurt out and talk about you know and try to defend masonry so quickly or or what have you or you know in in any scenario it it they they understand the the importance of those secrets that they've just learned. That's that's kind of my my take on that. Let's see. Number there's three. Def- <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say there's definite value in something like that. We've actually been discussing it at a, a local lodge. I'm not I'm not a member there, but it's a, it's a lodge that's dear to my heart. And really, the problem that you see is. Even if you have really well-meaning brothers, such as yourself, that that have an idea, you know, this is how we need to structure things. You have, <clears throat> you're always going to be competing with the norms of that lodge, which may or may not, obviously, usually not based off our numbers, right? But usually are not con- 
conducive to the betterment of the fraternity. And you need some kind of, I would almost say like a, like a structured course that you sit down with the new masters after they're done and say, look, this is, I mean, here in Texas, we have, um, what is the program? Like the, like the all program or the, the, the light program. Yeah. You could incorporate yeah. that into it. You can incorporate um, like guarding the West gate, um, what, what every officer is supposed to do. And I know that's spelled out for you when you're installed, but so too often it's in one ear and out the other. And no one ever thinks anything twice about what they you know, said they're going to do that year. And so have, have that structured, like, this is how we do things here. And this is why that way, there, there is no misunderstanding where if, if an older brother says, no, let's just, let's just go ahead and sign it. You know, let's go ahead and sign this petition for this guy that just showed up. The new guy's going to, you know, he's going to, he's going to kind of look at it a little sideways because he was taught formally that that's not how we really do things. And I think that's what you, I think you're dead on something like that. We have to, we have to combat those norms and that's probably the best way to do it is some kind of actual structured unified approach right and i think that that's another way that that grand lodge could could create value is by helping develop the program extend upon the all program to do something like that to where it will be uniform with all the lodges and all the brothers know the same thing and they're not you know it's it's not just what this guy remembers from what his you know teacher you know his his the, the guy that taught him his work told him or, or what have you, because a lot of times these, these things go off into, into different, into different stories than what actually is. Yeah. I almost feel like something like this, not to go off on a tangent, but I almost feel like something like this has to be a grassroots approach because, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be demeaning in any way, but depending on who is in the grand line, or who, who's in charge at the time, the mentality is a little bit different. So if, if there was a, like a formal course, they, you know, one year, might, one, one grandmaster might have a little bit different perspective than another grandmaster. Uh, a good example, just to, just to give you some insight why I say that, is a couple of years ago, I wrote a, uh, a, like a loose guide on how to actually investigate, investigate candidates based off a guide that was from the uh, the secretary's database. Now, it's not a it's not an official Grand Lodge guide, right? But it still caused some real um discontent among some brothers that perceived that, you know, this was being presented as the Grand Lodge's actual uh stance on how to do things. So, mm-hmm. it's a it's it's a fine line, you know, but if if a uh, and what works best for one lodge might not necessarily work best for another, but if it was a, like a, like a, if someone was to create it and like I said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm probably trying to work on that with some brothers, but uh, other brother, other lodges could take it and easily adapt it, you know, based off how they run things. I think. Well, if you're working on that, I I'd like to see, okay. I'd love. That, it's, all, that, it's all in concept right now, but it's something that, that, that's fine. I understand. But that's uh, that, you know, what's interesting, though, is that you say that you talk about the the grandmaster and his ideals, you know, in, in his year. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing in our lodge. Yes. So everybody's so quick to fill the seats in the lodge so that they always have a new master for every year. 
I'm not opposed to having a carryover for a master every once in a while. You know, let him go two years. And that way he can get some things accomplished and then let the guys after him get prepared to take it from there. You know, that's, I'm not opposed to that. They it's really interesting. There's a, there's a preconception that your lodge must be not, it must be unhealthy if you're doing something like that. Right. You know, if someone, if someone has to stay for two or three years, they kind of, it, it's like, yeah, I was grand, I was martial master for, for three years. You know, it's, it's pretty rough over there. Well, not necessarily. That shouldn't necessarily necessarily mean that it's rough. You have a good worship master, and any worship anyone that sat in the east will tell you. By the time you get the hang of what you're doing, what comes around, election, and then you're done. So that's that's what I tell people is I loved my year. I would love to continue on because there's so much that I didn't get to do that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. But you know, it is what it is. But I think you're absolutely right. That's by the time you learn what you're you're supposed to be doing, then it's time to go out the door. Yeah. So what's number what's number three on your list? Sorry, I know we went kind of off on a off on no, a tangent there, but it was it was some interesting conversation. Um religion and politics. <laughs> number three. Okay. So, Everybody says, you know, we shouldn't be talking about, you know, religion and politics is a no-no in the lodge. Well, it is a no-no in the lodge room. But talking about philosophy and, and, and spiritual matters, that's not, that's not anything against Freemasonry. That's what Freemasonry, golly, that's what it was founded on. Politics was what it was founded on. It was getting out from under the tyranny of the of the of the oppressors of, of, of England, the, the kings and queens in, in every country at that point, but getting under that, getting out from under that oppression and, 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 you know, being able to talk freely about your, your spiritual ideals and, and uh, philosophies and, and actually question, actually question why it is the way it is because the ancients thought it was one way and of course it evolved over time, but why did it end up this way? Mm-hmm. You know, why didn't it end up this way over here? Why aren't we talking about that stuff? That's cool stuff to talk about. That 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 gets my blood pumping, you know, that's exciting. It's really hard to imagine the United States as it is today if brothers weren't talking about politics at one point. Granted, they probably right. weren't talking about it in Lodge, which right. is understandable, but but there, there was, there had to be conversations taking place. Those brothers exactly. that, that coordinated some, some pretty drastic things at the time, you know, that, that kind of helped us shrug off uh, Britain and, and form our own country. And that wasn't, and, and that wasn't done. It had to be done in secret. Yes. And it wasn't done, you know, uh, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. It, yeah. It, it had to be done in secret and, and otherwise we wouldn't even be here. Agreed. So why, the, the, problem, the problem today is, is that instead of people being balanced, which is what a lot of our lodges are, are, um, are not teaching in the, in the, in the mysteries and, and, and whatnot, instead of being balanced, we're always at an extreme. 
you have to love or hate something. You can't be neutral on anything or you can't be, you know, leaning towards this side, but appreciate the other, other side's opinion. You have to hate whichever side opposes you. And that's not Freemasonry, but that's what's happening in politics. That's why it is such a taboo in lodges right yeah. now, that, in my opinion. That's well, it's our own fault because we stress, and this goes back to what we talked about earlier with the bait and switch. We stress the, the importance of learning the liberal arts and sciences, you know, uh, grammar, rhetoric, logic. These are right. all things that are important to actually have a, an educated debate with people of other opinions where you're not at each other's throat because of it. And Absolutely. it goes right back to what you're saying that when that, when that, when that doesn't exist, if you like one guy and I like the other, we just can't get along. So that's why we don't discuss it at all. Right. How can we become better if we're too stuck on our polar opposites? Yes. How can, how can if we're not considering what our brother has to say. And if you truly care about your brother and brotherly love, you're willing to sit and listen to him mm -hmm. and, and, and actually willing to contemplate what he's saying. And, and at that point, that's where Freemasonry takes hold. And that's where, that's where we, uh, we grow and become better men, in my opinion. Yes, become more intelligent. <laughs> Do you, is there a number four on that list or? Because I, I, I'm going to circle back around whenever, whenever we're, we're at the end of the list. I had, a, I had another question I was going to ask you, but I don't want to, I don't want to interrupt okay. your, your, your train of thought any more than I already have. Well, no, I, I, I think about these things all the time. And, and this, this next one goes back to the trestle board. Mm -hmm. um, it goes back to our roots in Freemasonry, where we, we met in bar rooms, above bar rooms, and, and we met at a table. We drew out the trestle board in chalk so that we could wipe it down with, with water and get rid of it so that it, everything that we did remained a secret. Mm -hmm. you know? So, of course, we don't have to do that today because we live in America. But how about during, during our, our, our dinner time? Number one, serve good food. Bologna sandwiches don't make it. That, the last thing you want to do is have a, a new Master Mason come in and eat bologna sandwiches. I've seen it in lodges. It's sad, but they're doing better now. So I just. So, are you are you hating on spam tacos now? You know, I gotta <laughs> say, there's a place in my heart for spam. <laughs> as long as it's fried, you know. If you don't fry it up, then then there's something wrong. With you. <laughs> but um, the lodges is, is a temple. It is a temple. It's it's always been a temple. From day one, it was considered a temple. So. So when you go in to, to eat and get ready for a meeting, get ready for a degree, whatever, make it special. Have a speaker while you're having dinner. You know, why not throw in that education during that time? You know, and, and you know, we all fellowship at different times. Even before dinner, while we're waiting for everything to be served, we sit around and fellowship. Why not do that, you know, beforehand and then have a speaker during dinner so that we can learn something before the meeting mm -hmm. make it special and and serve good food and it doesn't have to be five-star restaurant food but it you know something better than green beans every month you know that's that's a plus yes having, having a variety and having um 
having good food is, is important in my opinion. That's, that's that point. That's all it is. Just have a speaker while you're eating. Do something different than what we're doing today. Well, it's an excellent point, though. Um, now, along with good food, I, I have to say, I, this one's a tough one here. Spit it out. We're, we're all good here. I, in, in the same reverence that my grandparents talked about my great-grandparents and, and great-great-grandparents as Masons and whatnot, I hold the lodge in that same reverence. I hold my brothers in that same reverence. When, when there are certain brothers in, in this state that, that I visit with on a not-so-regular basis that I truly hold them near and dear to my heart, and they are my true brothers. And we show up and we meet each other for, for a, a dinner or something, and, and, and we're always dressed nice, we're, we're looking good, we're feeling good, we're talking about intelligent subjects, we're, we're having a good time. When we go to the lodge, dress the occasion. It, it's, it's more important than just, you know, getting off the tractor or, or you know, coming home from, from working an eight-hour shift and you know, elbows and grease or whatever. And, and I get it. I know sometimes it's hard and some members, they, sometimes it is stressful to get to work in or to get to lodge and they do do that. But, but if you can, if you can come home and take a shower and put on a different set of clothes, you can come home and, and put on a, a suit or, or at least a nice dress shirt and something that, that looks somewhat pressed or what have you. You know, something that looks good. Present your lodge, you know, as if it's as if it's uh, cherished. I go to church in nice clothes. I don't show up in sandals. I don't belong to one of those churches. I, I think that, you know, I when I go to praise God, I want to bring my best. I want to be my best. And and so I go looking looking decent. And I think our lodges deserve that as well. Our members deserve that as well, especially the officers. If nothing else, just the officers of your life. Just if if they will just show, you know, what it means to be an officer, that they're committed to that seat, that's that's important. And and I think that so many people look past that because they say it's the internal and not the external. Well, your external yeah, it, you talk to any psychologist, and he tells you that the the external reflects the internal. That's mm-hmm. so it, it's pretty obvious. I just want to show everybody that knows me every day, or knows me every time they see me at lodge in a jacket and a tie or whatever, and at Grand Lodge in a three piece suit. That's how I'm going to be because I respect it. Mm-hmm. This is what I wear every day. This is a dicky shirt. I wear it every day, even when I'm not working. That's what I wear because I'm going to be working at home. I'm going to be doing something. I work on our rental properties. I, I'm mowing the grass. I'm doing whatever. I wear a uniform every day. But when I go to lodge, it's special. It's not, it's not just working in, in the yard. It's not, it's not fixing the plumbing at one of my apartment units. It's, you know, it's special. 
So, so I suit up. I, I have love a, it. I have a uniform for work. I have a uniform for lodge. That's that's kind of how I feel. And I think I think when people see a group of guys, when when we have the Phantom Memorial, and we have eighty people in black suits and ties, and the women looking nice, and and they see us doing our thing. What kind of impression do you think that puts on the community? Absolutely. When they, when they see it. As opposed and, to if y'all were all wearing shorts and flip-flops and t-shirts. Absolutely. Now, not to say we don't have events like that. This Saturday, we're going to have a picnic out at the Fan and Battleground. We're going to restart an old tradition of, of a family picnic once a year at the family at the Fan and Battleground with all the district uh, and even more Masons invited. And then we'll wear our flip-flops and shorts. Mm-hmm. But at Lodge... It makes a difference. Yeah. So that's uh, that's my point on that. It, do you really have anything to add on that? <laughs> well, if you, I know you listen to my content, so you know, you know, I'm pretty much uh, totally in the same opinion as you are on on all those things. So, yeah, nothing, nothing to really. How how could you add to that? You know, I, I agree hundred percent. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> The, the next the next point that I have that, that's so important and it, and it falls in line with the last um, with the uh, with the uh, point of, of installing officer too soon the next point is investing in your officers send them to education classes send them send them to the Grand Lodge education that's what it's for uh-huh. it's to prepare them and don't do it the last minute right before they go into the become a master. If you want to invest in your lodge, the best way you can invest in your lodge is investing on that officer that's going through the line. When he's a junior warden, he should be thinking about what he's going to be doing as master. Not that he has it all planned out, but he should be thinking about it and start jotting things down and seeing what works, what doesn't work, what what are the dynamics that can that can be shifted a little bit to to improve the functionality and, and the um, and the um, and the visibility of the lodge, mm-hmm. um, different events, things like that. You know, it that doesn't come without planning. Yeah. And and I don't know about your lodge. It may be different. And in our lodge, we do have quite a bit of planning going on um, over the past. You know several years but you know there's been a time where where there wasn't a whole lot of planning going on it was just the the, the guy going into the east and everybody saying okay what are we going to do and but if you have guys that are building upon each other planning from the beginning and building upon each other and they're working together mm-hmm. they've got their committees planned out to where the, the heads of each committee are going to be going through the line and they're going to be, you know, the head of everything. So these guys are already familiar with the processes and everything that needs to be uh, taken care of by the time they're masked. So I, 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 I don't, I don't disagree with um, what you're saying. Cause if you're, if you're not proactive, then you're being reactive, right? 
which is you're always at that point, you're just always responding to things that are happening. I wanted to ask you quickly while we're still on the subject, because I also agree officer training is very important. Uh, it's a, it's a resource that the Grand Lodge puts out and I I'm guilty. I haven't been to any of them, but I've heard terrific things and I know it's underutilized, but here's the question I have for you. It costs money. How and this might be a rabbit hole because anything with money in the, in the, in the fraternity becomes a rabbit hole, but how would you propose that you send off the officers to these things? Well, <laughs> here's one that's not going to be too popular with some people. Those are my favorite kind. So, you know, there's a lot of lodges that past masters are given an endowed membership by their lodge as a yes. gift. Stop it. Stop killing your lodge. <laughs> that's the first thing to do is stop killing your lodge because if somebody's at the age that they can still work and still provide for the lodge, they need to be providing for the lodge. Mm-hmm. Now, I can't say that I don't have any endowment. I would be a hypocrite if I said otherwise. However, I do also give a lot more with with all the different um, all the different um, lodges and independent bodies that I'm in. I, I give more than 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 my share, so I, I go well above and beyond. But but for so many lodges, they don't. So instead of giving somebody a, a $500 endowment, you can send two officers to Grand Lodge training. Let them pay for their hotel. I mean, who can't, you know, take care of a, a $75 hotel for one night? Mm-hmm. It's just one night that they have to stay overnight if they have to. They, they've got it in places to where really a lot of people don't even have to stay overnight. It's all over I, the state. Yeah, yeah. I, I do because my, my wife likes the hotel. The girls, the girls love it. Mm-hmm. The hotel and an indoor swimming pool, it's a win-win. They get to play. I get to go play. It's, it's fun for everybody. But that is the strongest investment you can make in your lodge. If you can't find that money for your lodge to invest in your lodge, then you're already in a, in a cycle, a, a negative cycle that you may not recover from. And, and I, that's I powerful. That's, that's, that's very sobering to think like that. I, I hate to say that, but it is so true. And, and the reality is the only way that you're going to get out of that cycle is if you start thinking differently and doing things differently. And one of the best ways that you can do that is, is, uh, is investing in your officers and, and, and teaching them with the tools that, that they need to, uh, to plan and execute the uh, those plans to uh, push the lodge further, and and not only that, but you meet so many great guys that are going through the same thing as you, and then or brothers. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say guys, but you meet so many brothers that are going through the same thing as you, and and you end up building some pretty darn good relationships, long distance relationships that you can holler at these guys and. And, and get ideas from and and when when you're at your lowest point as a master you call one of these guys and say man <laughs> i don't know what i'm doing and they say well it's all right we're all in it together and then they and you move on but anyways i can i can keep on going about the the grand lodge education committee and and the uh, officer leadership training it's 
I, I think that is the best contribution Grand Lodge gives to the to the uh, grant to the lodges that is not taken advantage of. Yeah, I've heard wonderful things about it. It just rolls into education for the lodge. You know, having different programs to educate uh, people. One of the main reasons I um, wanted to become a, a member of the education committee with the Scottish Rite is so that I could learn, so that hopefully someday, and I say someday, I'm I'm still learning, but fortunately I'm with some of the greatest minds in in masonry with with these guys. The, the guys that go to these continuing Masonic education classes and and uh, on Zoom and in person. Um, they're brilliant and and the things we talk about are, are priceless and these are the things you can't talk about with your family you can't talk about it with your with with just your joe blow that you work with or what have you these are pretty deep and, and intellectual things that you talk about mm -hmm. i want to be a resource to do my brothers down here hopefully someday and, and be able to give these talks. You know, in the bigger cities, you know, or, or lead these discussions, I should say. You know, in, in, the, in the bigger cities, there's, there's a great pool of, of members that, that are so intelligent and, and have so many good things to say and, and can motivate you and, and strengthen your, your, your attitude and, and, your, and your excitement about, about Lodge. And I think that there's so many rural areas that are missing that. They're, it's kind of tucked away and and it's a, a different dynamic but we need more people to to learn the learn how to you know be a part of these discussions and 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 create these groups so that members will know a little bit more about what they belong to Give them a little bit more ownership in, in who they are and, and what this fraternity is. That's great. I, like, like I, I told you before, I mean, I totally agree with everything you're saying. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's, those are all terrific points that you make. The next one, I, I, I know it's the same thing. It's, in, it's invest in your building. If you notice, everything that I'm saying is invest, invest, invest. You got to, and it goes down to dues. It goes down to dues, guys. We gotta we gotta pay the price to to keep our fraternity alive and relevant, and and uh, not be the eyesore in in the neighborhood. We're on the corner of the square. Mm -hmm. We're uh, if if we have in Goliad, we have a market days thing where people come from miles around to to do this flea market thing on the square every month. And we're right there on the square. Our square encompasses right there. Our building is right there. We're right in the thick of it. If we looked bad to all those visitors, that would be horrible. That would be horrible. But yet, I've seen so many um, situations where lodges are in that downward spiral and, and they just can't afford to 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 keep up with the lodge and and that's when that's when brothers need to really start thinking about 
what they're willing to invest in their lodge and, and dig deep. And, and, you know, maybe there is only a couple of brothers that can afford it. But maybe those, those couple of brothers need to think about, you know, do they want their children to, to be members of that lodge in 20 years, in 30 years? Because if they don't make the investment now and, and, uh, and make themselves look better to the community, the community is not going to want to come in. They're not going to want to be members of that lodge. You know, there's, there's something to be said about that. I, I think that you understand investment more than most people. <laughs> real quick what i love about everything you're saying and i was actually going to talk about this later but it's it's so relevant right now it's worth pointing out you know there have been conversations you know why why are the numbers dropping you know basically you know what is our weakness which is the same question i asked you and it's it's almost disheartening to scroll through it and see uh, so many people blame outside causes outside reasons society has changed those damn kids don't want to study you know things like that things you have we have no control over we can't control society we can't control whether or not it's true uh if kids are just lazy today but what we can't control in everything you talked about is ourselves we can control ourselves we can we can improve what we're doing at our lodge we can fix our practices and that, you know, that's our weakness. That's what we need to do. And it's so easy and people fall into this trap where they want to point the finger, you know, and, and it really makes you a victim. You, when you're a victim, you have no control over anything. And that's, that's to me, that's terrifying to, to think that you'd rather, anyone would rather be a victim and instead of looking at how they can, how they can fix it. So, you know, hats off to you for, I'm sure it wasn't intentional. It's just your mindset. But hats off to you for for approaching it from that way. Right. That that's that's the that is is the most horrifying thought is that I would live as a victim. And the because if Freemasonry is a victim, it's just doomed to die. Yes. We, have, we can do nothing about it. So it's just doomed. That's with anybody. Look at, look at your generational poverty. That happens because people want to play the victim so they can co- collect the, the, uh, the checks. And I'm not, I'm not saying that everybody that, that, that is on welfare or, or you know, social services or whatever, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not downplaying you know, the need for those services in, in our society. What I'm saying, though, is that it is a real thing that there's generational poverty where people, you know, they grow up learning to live off the check. And the more children you have, the more ch- your money is, what have you. It's the same thing you, in masonry. When, when, you, when you live as a victim, all you can do is spiral downwards. You, there is no growth. There is no, no nothing. There's no respect. You lose your respect from the community when you're when you're living in a victim mode. How dare anybody say that that they're not masters of their own of their own life, of their own future, of their of their own environment? Mm-hmm. Everybody is. We we they, I hate the term. Okay, <laughs> this is going to be a bad one too. I hate the term. We take good men and make them better. 
Okay. Okay. And the, the reason why is because if we're not teaching people to be masters of their of their environment, how are they becoming better? They were already good when they walked through the door. They they were they were doing just fine. Mm-hmm. They came to us to become better, and we're showing them how to be a victim. So we're showing them how to be defeated. Yeah, We're showing them how to, you know, hopefully scrape by in the next 20 years. And that you see it on the Internet and everything. People are projecting that, you know, American Freemasonry will be gone in 40, by 2040 or whatever. I read that today when I was looking for some statistics that I wanted to throw out, but I decided not to throw out the statistics. But that's, that's one of them. But I, I don't think that's the truth. It's going to be different, but it's not going to be different. I agree. So that brings me to my next question, since you uh, it launches it very nicely. Where do you see Freemasonry within the next tw- 10 or 20 years? I, I do see a lot of lodges um, strengthening and growing. I see uh, we see it right now. We've seen it steady for, for several years for several lodges that, that are that are getting strong and whatnot. Uh, but I sad to say I, I see the overall um, Texas membership shrinking. Mm-hmm. I, I see the the uh, quantity shrinking, but I think the quality is going to going to improve. And I, I can tell you with all certainty, as long as this man's alive, Freemasonry will not be gone in America. I can assure you. And I know that you feel the same. And I know that there are a bunch of other guys in, in our fraternity, in Texas especially, that believe the exact same thing. And they're Absolutely. willing to put money where their mouth is. Yes. And so as long as, as long as we have those brothers that that don't give up and, and they keep striving for excellence and, and striving to be a better Mason than the Mason they were yesterday, then we're going to be fine. Uh-huh. We'll just have to restructure and, and it'll, it's, it's a lot like a business cycle. You know, there's business cycles that, and, and there always is where you hit your peak and then you start, you sit on those laurels that got you there and then you start slumping down until you come up with the next big thing, and then it, you, then you start increasing it again. So I think yes, we're on a downward, um, the downward slope on the business cycle, but but I think it is going to concentrate the the uh, the quality of of our fraternity. I had a few questions, um, so. For those that aren't in the Texas Freemasons group, uh, Dennis and I are both on there. And I, whenever I see Dennis has made a new post, that's directly what I go to because you are very good at creating thought-provoking posts. Um, sometimes they're probably a little uh, polarizing, which I don't think – I mean – I've posted plenty of polarizing things. I think those create some of the best conversations. Um, but there was a few things that you posted that I just wonder if we could dive a little bit more deeply into because I think they provide quite a bit of value. 
and some of these things we've already we've already brushed on so um we might not go as deep as you know it might might have originally called for but i really want to start off you made a post yesterday and basically uh, I won't I won't go into a huge amount of detail, but you are running for a political office and you shared that to the group and you, you started off with a disclaimer, you know, this is not a political ad. You just wanted to show it as a testament to Freemasonry. Um, I wonder if you just talk a little bit about that. What first of all, what do you mean as a testament to Freemasonry? And and then just kind of your thoughts on the the feedback you got i know you got some positive feedback but it was it was pretty divisive i think so the testament to freemasonry the leader i am today is is not the leader that i was 20 years ago before i became a mason you know throughout throughout my journey in life i've owned several businesses i've um I've done a lot of a lot of things, and 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 some of them were great successes. Some of them were great failures. And Freemasonry has developed my attitude and and helped me to understand the dynamics of a volunteer society. You know, our lodges are all volunteer, and it's hard to tell somebody to do what what you want them to do. You have to help them buy in. You have to help them. You know see the big picture in order to to uh get what you want to to happen it's the same thing with with uh your political system it's the same thing with uh with these small towns we're all volunteers i i volunteered on the planning and zoning commission i volunteer at church we've we've helped start several programs that that help the median in our area it's that stuff wouldn't have happened if I didn't have the confidence of, of being that kind of a leader and having the, um, the wherewithal to not speak so quick when, when confrontation arises and try to say things as intelligently as possible without demeaning other people. I, I can tell you sometimes I can I can still take jabs and I'm I'm human like everybody else, but I do try to carry myself with um, with an even kill attitude and I am actually open to hear other people's opinions. Some I there have been times that I've posted on on Texas Freemasons and then later on somebody said something I said oh well, you know what I agree with that. And, and, you know, told them, okay, that's, you made a solid point. We should all be better at that. Mm-hmm. In fact, that happened in a different post yesterday. Interesting. That I, I had, I had a stance that I, that I had and, and I strongly believed in, I always strongly believe in what I said, but I'm not, I'm not closed off to um, listening to somebody on the other side of the table and trying to come up with the best solution for everybody. Yeah. So that happened through being a master of a lodge. The dynamics of being a master of a lodge and wanting to do so many things during your one and only year 
it, it's it's so difficult when you when you've got you know so many people that are used to doing things in so many ways and and you know you got to get the buy-in and you got to know who to get the buy-in with first and then you you go down the line from there and if i hadn't learned that i wouldn't have the support of of 80 percent of the local government going into this position uh -huh. you know they they see those qualities in me and i can attribute that directly to freemasonry and I think that everybody should know that because that's what Freemasonry has to offer when it when it's done properly. Yeah, I've always, I say I've always, but it's, it's only been recently since I've really started deep diving into the fraternity, into the Freemasonry as well. But I, I've also separately come to the realization that, you know, really Freemasonry, without directly directly teaching it, it teaches civic involvement. And if you if you look again, we're talking about history again, so they that's a strength and a weakness. But if you look really? historically, <laughs> if you look historically, you know, at the, the people that we put on the pedestal, like George Washington and Ben Franklin and, uh, you know, all these other uh, Masons that were founding fathers and so influential, not just not just in the United States, but here in the in the, the formation of Texas, these people were all statesmen. They were all heavily involved and they were. I mean, they were jacks of all trades. They they wore a lot of different hats, and I, I think it's that's because they knew as as moral. Let me back strongly moral people um, that it's it's important to step up and lead because if frankly if you don't, someone else is going to, and they may not be the best person for the job. Right, right. They may lead you in the wrong direction. Yeah. But what about those responses? Because I mean, they were. It was uh, some, sometimes it was very it was very positive. Other times it's a little bit disheartening just to kind of see. It's a for some people it's a very black and white approach. If it's if it's political at all, it just has no place whatsoever. Right, and and that goes back to education, and what you've learned from your local lodge, and not from from the law books or from, you know, educational courses from Grand Lodge or what have you. I mean that. That's what it all boils down to. And, and it is sad to see that happen. I don't take a lot of offense to it, though I, I will always correct when, when, when I am approached with it. And, and not to be ugly, but just to say, no, that's what you're saying is incorrect. Yeah. It's, it, it's not the law. That's not how it is. Because to be clear, you didn't ask anyone to vote for you in a very... Nope. I mean, Nobody, it's, it's a city position, so we're talking about a very small amount of people that are probably even in the group that could vote even, for you. Even in my town, there's only two Masons that live in the city, and I already know I got their vote. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and neither one of them commented on that thread. That's funny, mm -hmm. but that's okay. You know, that, that's, that wasn't the intent. The intent was just to get it across, and now... I am going to take a little more of your time and 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 tell you where the history of Freemasonry has has pushed me along in this as well. Okay. I found out after I became a Mason. I knew that my my grandfather was a Mason and and so forth, but I found out after by my aunt that my great 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 grandfather uh, was a Mason. Oh, and wow. not 
not only was he a Mason, but he was the county clerk of Denton County when Denton County formed. The, the county clerk, of course, he takes care of all the land, you know, all the surveys and all that, puts the, puts the land together and, and helps with the planning and zoning, all that. Back then, that, that was a big, big deal. Still a big deal, but that back then it was really a big deal because they were building communities. But here's here's the really cool thing. Not only was he the county clerk, but that county clerk's office was the place the first lodge opened in. The first lodge was opened in that county clerk's office. Interesting. So come to find out, my great 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 grandfather. Road of, came across the Red River with Sam Houston. Later <laughs> on, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of cool. That is. On, he rode down to um, down to South Texas to get the charter for the lodge in Denton, Stanfield, two seventeen. His name, his last name was Stanfield. I never had an idea. It was my grandmother's grandfather. Wow. I had, I had no idea. That is so, amazing. And his name is still on the side of that building, WWO Stanfield. And and it's and it's so cool. And and the history of the lodge has, has shifted and changed, but but just knowing that my grandfather, my my great great grandfather, my relative from way back made that journey to Texas. He chose to come to Texas. He chose to be the county clerk. He chose to get the charter for the lodge. He chose to, to expand Freemasonry in the area. Not only did he help that, that area, but he also helped other counties in that area open their lodges as well. It's, it's all documented. I, I don't have the, the official documentation, but I've, I've read it, and, and it's pretty cool. It's pretty exciting. So that it is. So who am I to ride his coattails? Who am I to say I'm some great master mason? I'm I'm cool. I've I've got all these accomplishments. I've got all these cool lapel pins. If I don't do a damn thing with it, excuse my French. Mm -hmm. If I don't do anything with it, who am I to say that I'm a master mason? So of course I'm I'm gonna do everything I can to help society and help where where I live. If I can, if they want me, I'm going to do my best to help. Yeah. It, so that's where that came from. That's where it all came from. That and, is fantastic. And I wanted to share that with, with the brothers. A lot of people have heard that story already, and it's probably getting old by now. But for me, it, it's as real as, as waking up in the morning. You know, mm -hmm. that, that's, that's my ambition is to, is to make my great-great-grandfather great 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 grandfather proud and my great great grandfather and my grandfather you know it's just going down the line my dad's not a freemason by the way i see but he's thinking about it. <laughs> well thank you thank you for sharing that story what uh what i love about that story the most is when you look back in texas history and probably any state really but you know this word for texan so we'll, we'll talk about texan if you look at texas history Anytime you see a, a a mover and a shaker, I mean, so you're you're great, great, great. Probably missing a great there, but he shaped our state, right? 
And anytime you see somebody like that, if you do the research, they're probably amazing. <laughs> exactly. And it kind of it kind of makes you think if if Freemasonry had been in the state it is today back then, how different it might have looked. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, going back to that, and you know this already, and so do most of the members that listen to this, but if there's any new members out there that don't know this, you know, all the first churches would would convene in the in the lodge the lodge was built and then they would loan it to the churches they would loan it to you know to different organizations to to get started and not just one church but any church that needed it once they once one church was done they'd build their building and the next church would come in and use the the building for a while that was that was common a common thing in our lodge it was the picture that's at Grand Lodge, when you look at it, on the front of it, you see the square and compass at, t- at the top, but the bottom says City Hall. I have to look for that next time. <laughs> City Hall. Wow. <laughs> and, you know, that's another, I, I didn't touch on this earlier, but you rolled into a, a very important positive in history. And this is why I know that, that, Texas Freemasonry will not go away, no matter what happens in any other state. I'm sure it's going to happen. It's the same in any other state. There are so many generations of Masons that come from those shakers and doers that know that they come from those shakers and doers. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're supporting our fraternity now. You know, we have, we have a lot of lodges that are given up and they may not have that same bond or, or tie but I can tell you the guys that I see that are going to all the other lodges around the area to, to support them and strengthen them. Those are the third and fourth generation, fifth generation Masons that know where they come from. Mm-hmm. So it's our benefit to keep these lodges open so that our children can do it because the, the, the more we get engraved in, in, in that, the, uh, the more solid our fraternity will become. It kind of creates a heritage you, you feel you have to live up to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you never see, well, I guess you, you kind of see it, but but in some areas you, you hardly ever see the the son not try to live up to the expectations of the dad and taking over the family business and and whatnot. But yeah. that's that was a that was a good point. I uh, also was looking, and this is a, it's a very short little post, but it, it goes pretty deep, and it didn't get a lot of conversation, but I loved it. So commit to funding the vision, not the need. You need, will need to find more people willing to dig deeper if your lodge does not have one. Get one. And then you went on later in the, in, in the comment, and I'll, I'll kind of um, just paraphrase it. But if you are asking for caviar dues and keep serving bologna, then people will not get behind you. Uh, let them know this will pay the bills, and you'll have enough to put away for purchasing raffle items for the fundraiser and such. So what I really like about that is the, the opposite is true as well. If you, if you ask for um, bargain bin dues, then you can never you can never raise the bar either. So I was just wondering if you could just 
kind of let, let us know where, where was your where's your mindset coming from when you when you wrote that i i am a firm believer that we should not have raffles and and different kind of of charitable event and have our lodge as a charity we should not be raising money to support our lodge you can't number one you can't make a budget on on a pipe cream. You don't know what you're going to get from a raffle. You can't make a solid budget for your next year on what you're going to do based on on what you hope to get. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just not possible. You can only make a budget on what you actually have. And then well, last you, year was absolute proof of that. Absolute, absolute. That's a that's a a catch twenty two that I see so many small lodges falling into. They don't have many members and they're afraid to lose their members by raising their dues. Mm-hmm. At the same time, they're not creating the value. They're not well-rounded lodges that give a good explanation for why they need those dues. So the value is not there. They don't, and, and I'm not, and I'm not picking on any particular lodge. There's, there's a lot of them that that are that way and and you know even even i think that my lodge ought to raise their dues you know but we have a a stigma that we're going to lose a few a few people over and and it's always the endowed members that are saying we're going to lose people over they're worried about losing these people that are paying dues well how do you know those people aren't willing to pay that money? We ask for, let's say, $100 to, to, to be initiated. So, so we get $100 for each degree as a degree fee. Those people are willing to pay that. And a lot of times that's all in one year. So they're willing to pay it right then. And then they come, then it's time to pay their, their annual dues. And they say, well, golly, only $50 a year. Golly, what did I get into? You yeah. know, no wonder we can't. I, I think that it's a downward spiral. I think we should support more of our of our day-to-day functions on dues and not on raising money. I agree. I think there's I, I don't think there's a middle ground on dues. I think I think when someone goes into fraternity, they either expect to pay much more than they do or way less but there's no there's no i don't think there's really a middle ground where people people join and it's exactly what they expect yeah, exactly. as far as dues go you know not right. without not without talking to somebody first and do they know what to expect but i know i know from a personal perspective um because i have a i have a family history of freemasonry as well granted i don't know of anyone that built my state like you did like your grandfather but um you know at least my at least my grandfather you know, starting, starting there. And so I always had a um, pretty marvelous uh, expectations. And, and the dues, the dues tell you, the dues will tell you very quickly if your expectations are correct or not. I think, you know, if you're, if you're expecting something fantastic and it's a $50 a year dues, then, you know, you know, right away, something, something's not correlating here. Right. But if you're expecting something, that's very mundane on the other hand, 
and dues are $300 a year or something like that. Well, you know, hey, this probably is a, a little bit more serious than I give it credit for. Right. And, and what's, what people don't realize is that your dues should pay for, they should, they should be budget. Part of the budget should be your scholarships and your, and your other charity, other charitable events. That should all be budgeted in with your dues. That it shouldn't be something that you're raising money for. You can raise money to, to make that grow bigger if you want to, but, but that shouldn't be the basis it or let's say at least make it the the expectation that your dues are going to cover the cost of the item that you're raffling and and you get better success the, the better the raffle item as well you make more money the, the better the items are we we made a record number of of uh we sold a record number of tickets on our last raffle and, and that's because we had five different guns that, that were raffled off in the same raffle on that same note the uh the local rotary club they raised eighteen thousand dollars for their scholarships this past year with all the items that that they provided for their raffle but you know they have a list of like 20 different items you can win your chances are a lot better and whatnot so that's a whole different topic i mean i can go into a whole different story but but your dues if you can't manage your building paint your building, make sure your windows work, make sure they're clean, make sure your toilets are clean, your bathrooms. If, if you can't if you can't afford to do all that, and if you're too old to do it yourself and you don't have the, the stewards, then you need to hire somebody to do it at $100 a month. And, and that should be part of the dues. You know, that that's actually a good idea. <laughs> I, I love it, but it, it should. It made me start thinking about it. I may, I may donate that money to the lodge just to, just to make sure that that's, it's cleaned every month. Yeah. But if you can't, if you can't afford the supplies and the the normal upkeep, then you're destined for failure. Mm -hmm. And if if you get a young guy that's a, and here's where it all ties in. If you get a young business professional that's coming to your lodge excited to become a mason and they see a lodge that's run like a like a uh, campground they're not going to stick around and and their money's not going to stick around if you're worried about your lodge and and you want top-notch members that are that are going to support your lodge you got to make sure that that your lodge is supporting yourself first, because that's who you're shooting for is the is the business, the business class. They can yeah. afford, it. they can afford it. That's powerful. Well, Dennis, we're going to have to wrap it up. You know, this is going on an hour and a half. It's been a pretty good interview. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's great. And best of all, I mean, we we've talked about we've talked about politics. We've talked about dues talked about endowments and we talked about dress codes so i think uh i met we're, we're probably gonna manage to piss off just about everybody that listens so <laughs> it should be some interesting some interesting feedback on this video but it's a rounded conversation <laughs> like lodges should be well-rounded yes sir 
but um, I want to thank you again so much for taking uh, this time out of your Wednesday evening to uh, come and discuss these things with me. And um, I look forward to meeting with you again in person sometime soon. And uh, hopefully we can continue this conversation another time because I think, I think that even though we've spoke for an hour and a half, I feel as though we could probably go another hour and a half or two if we, if we had the time to do it. Absolutely. And, and, the, and just so that everybody out there knows, the reality is, is, is none of this stuff is original. Dennis isn't a genius. Dennis learned it from smarter men than himself. And, you know, it's, it's you've heard it before, you've heard it before, and you've heard it before. And we just got to take action on it. That's it. If everyone keeps hearing it, hopefully it'll eventually stick. Yeah, I just want to throw that disclaimer out there that, yes, I'm a proponent and I'm going to throw it out there and I'll take the heat. But there's more people out there that believe the exact same thing. It's growing. Yes, and it is growing. And and we have support. Well, thank you again, Dennis. And I look forward to... uh, speaking with you again soon it was my pleasure thank you so much brother dennis yates everybody that was a fantastic interview and we covered a ton of content i think it was very interesting how he presented history as both a strength and a weakness in our fraternity and really it makes a lot of sense we talk a lot about the past and there's value in studying your history but when you're constantly looking over your shoulder you don't see what's in front of you And it's possible that our fraternity as a whole is so busy looking at the past, romanticizing this quote-unquote golden age that we had when numbers were just through the roof, that we're not paying attention to today. We're so focused on how we used to do things that we're not looking at how we should be doing things today. We also talked about the importance of guarding the West Gate something that I have made content on in the past, and I also believe is very important. Any man that becomes a master mason can one day become a worship master of your lodge or a grand master of your jurisdiction, both of which have considerable power. I have personally seen lodges almost brought to the knees and forced to the mice because of a few bad choices to promote brothers that should not have ever been put in leadership positions doesn't matter how healthy your lodge is. If you spent many years building it up, one year with a bad enough worship master can cause you problems for years and years to come. And you often see in other jurisdictions some pretty sketchy things going on with grandmasters. I won't name jurisdictions, but it seems like every few years you hear about something very harebrained or not very Masonic going on elsewhere in the United States. And throughout the world. So it's very important that you're careful about who you let into the West Gate because you never know what positions they may find themselves in. We also discussed putting new Masons in the line. And I'm actually on the fence on this one. I can see both sides of the argument. The progressive line is something I've also talked about in the past. And it, while it definitely should not be followed mindlessly it also has merit in that it is a seven or eight year program that really gives brothers time to develop into the leader that they should be time to view other worship masters and see how they lead 
and give them ideas about how they should proceed when they go to the East. And I get the reasoning why, why brothers are often put into the line shortly after they become Master Masons, because we want to retain them. Therefore, we put them in positions or in committees where they feel that as though they can contribute and add value to the fraternity and will stick around. However, the question is really, should they be focusing on that immediately after they become Master Masons? Here in Texas, there's a lot of memory work that it takes to get to Master Mason. And often we focus just on memorizing the words, but no emphasis is put on actually learning the meaning. If a new brother is not giving time to actually ponder or encouraged to consider the things that he has learned, then he will probably not find time once he moves into the line. So I see both sides. There's definitely a value in giving a brother time before putting him into the line. However, there is also value in putting them in the line, depending on the larger situation. We talk about discussing politics and Freemasonry, and this is something that is very divisive among the brothers. The, the post in question with Brother Yates was he's running for a city position, and he simply posted a picture of himself. I believe it was one of his campaign signs and shared it to a Masonic Facebook group. Now, to put it in context, he wasn't actually promoting his position or asking anyone to vote for him. The reasoning for his posting was as a testimony to where Freemasonry has brought him. And as someone who has also grown greatly from Freemasonry, this is, for example, a podcast or YouTube channel like this, uh, as well as the presentations I have given in the past and the lectures I do now and giving degrees, uh, you know, actually conferring degrees. This is not something I ever thought I would find myself doing. Oh boy, it's been about 16 years since I've become a Mason now. 16 years ago, I was a very different person. And so I appreciate the transformative powers of Freemasonry. And I also have made a post uh, in the past about how Freemasonry has transformed me since I was originally initiated so many years ago. I understand where Dennis is coming from. However, when brothers see that it is a, in context of a political position, they immediately assume that he is promoting politics and Freemasonry. I also will go back to what I said originally that the founding fathers of the United States, majority of them were, were Masons, and the lodges were a place where you could meet and discuss things in secret. I don't know that there's any actual evidence that Freemasonry played a direct role in the Revo American Revolution. However, it's almost impossible to say that it didn't in some way which would imply that politics and Freemasonry at one time weren't so incompatible. I think people have changed in that we're so polarized now that if you don't believe my same viewpoint, then we can't get along. Now, again, there's no evidence for that. It's just me thinking out loud. Dennis also talked about the importance of making meetings special. And this is also very dear to me. It doesn't matter how many brothers you bring into the fraternity. 
or how excited they are if all you do in your meetings is read the minutes, go over local and Grand Lodge communications, discuss a fundraiser, and then leave. Nobody is joining for that. Nobody. Who would join an organization just to hear minutes? Nobody in their right mind. It's very important that you treat every meeting like it's something special because it is. It's a Masonic meeting. There are many ways you could do that. You could have guest speakers. You could have a special program. You could take advantage of that not to confer a degree. There's many options. And the more you do to make it something special, the more people you will retain and the more brothers you will see coming back. That is my firm belief. I have seen, I have seen it with my own eyes firsthand. I know that there is power in making your lodge meetings interesting. We also discuss how you should dress for lodge. And this is something I do feel strongly about. However, I have not addressed it in my own channel. And the reason for that is that it is very divisive. And I have brothers that I think very highly of that I know will never wear a suit to lodge. And really, I suppose I just don't want to alienate people that are, that are, I consider close friends because I believe it is important to dress nice for Lodge. If you want Lodge to be something special, and this actually goes back to our previous point, if you want to make Lodge meetings special, well, the first thing you can do to make something special is treat it like it's going to be special. And to do that, you dress for the occasion. I know our society has become far more casual than it used to be, but there are still occasions in which it, there is merit in dressing nice. And in fact, the fact that suits are so uncommonly worn now, it really even makes it more special if the fact is that you wear a suit to launch. Dennis also discusses how he believes it's important that we invest in our officers and our building. And here in Texas, we have training schools. I'm actually not sure what they're formally called, but but we have them every year. And I believe it's for the wardens. There's one for the junior warden, one for the senior warden, a separate one for the worship master. And I think there's also one for the secretary. Now I have heard different reviews. However, you, pretty much overall, I have heard that the junior warden, senior warden, worship master programs are excellent. And they do have a price tag that they carry. I don't know what it is offhand. I know it's not cheap. And it also would require the brother to be wherever the presentation is taking or wherever the meeting is taking place for most of whatever day it's going on. So the two barriers you would face is can he get off for work and how's it going to be paid for, which is why I actually addressed that question specifically. I personally believe that the lodge should pay for it because the lodge should be willing to invest in itself. Therefore, it should just be something that's understood. If you want to go to junior warden or senior warden or worship master, the lodge will pay for you to go to training. However, you are expected to go to training. And here's a list of the meetings. Really, for a large state like Texas, it's actually very accessible because there are meetings all throughout the state, here's a list, pick one. And if you don't go this year, you're not going to advance.
equally important, if not more important, is the fact that we do not invest in our own buildings. And this is all probably a symptom of my next point I'm going to talk about, but nothing does more harm to our fraternity, in my opinion, than the site of a dilapidated building, both external and internally. Because I have seen lodges that are falling apart from the outside, but they look okay inside and vice versa. I've seen lodges that look presentable enough outside, but inside they're terrible. I have, I have been to lodges that probably should have been condemned. There was one in particular where the ceiling and the wall was actually beginning to separate. I think it did eventually fall apart in their meeting elsewhere, but there was actually mold growing in the carpet it was so disgusting, and I can't imagine anyone interested in the fraternity seeing a site like that and decided to go forward with it, which brings me to the next point we talk about, which is dues. Again, this is not something that I haven't talked about, but if we want to do any of the things we talk about, but if we want to do anything with our lodge, as far as improving our meetings or just improving the building itself, it costs money. And sure, you could do fundraisers for it, but at what point do we just start taking responsibility for ourselves in our own hobbies and our own fraternity? We shouldn't rely on the charity of others to sustain ourselves. We're grown men. We should pay for our own hobbies. If you enjoy fishing, you don't do fundraisers to buy bait and tackle and poles. Same with golf. Why do we do this for Freemasonry? Why will we not pony up and pay our own bill? Furthermore, when we rely too much on fundraisers, that becomes the focus of our lodge. A former lodge of mine, that was basically all we talked about. Either we were planning for the upcoming event we're talking about how the last one went. And right around the time we got done speaking about it, it's time again to start planning. And that consumed the majority of our business meetings. I know of another lodge that has raised a huge amount of money and give it away to local charities. We're talking about six figures here. But is that, or should that be the focus of our lodge? Should that be the focus of our meetings? I know Different people look for different things in our fraternity. But I personally don't believe that we're a service organization. And that sounds strangely like a service organization to me. We also talk about the victim mentality in Freemasonry. And this is something actually I brought up during our conversation. But it has been a topic in all my mind lately. There was a discussion, again, in the Texas Freemasonry group. And the question was, why is Freemasonry in decline? And many, many comments were pointing the finger. They're pointing the finger at society. They were blaming young men today, saying they're just not interested or they don't have the focus or they want everything quick and easy. And these are things you can't control. I don't believe they're true, but even if they are, you can't control it. And if the sole reason for our decline is completely out of our control, 
then Freemasonry is doomed. It has no future. That would imply that it doesn't matter what you do, your lodge is going to die, and then the fraternity will as well. And I don't believe that, not for a second. We have no control over these things, but we do have control over our own practices, our own mentalities, and our own approaches to Freemasonry, both personally and in our lodges. And if your lodge is declining in members, there's no point in blaming anybody else. That isn't to say that it's your fault right now. But if you do nothing, then it is your fault. If you continue to do things the way that you have always done it, and your lodge demises or is forced to merge, then it is your fault. Because you did nothing different. You failed to adapt. And that is perhaps one of the biggest hurdles our fraternity has to overcome the fact that we, for whatever reason, are slow to adapt right now. So that said, I believe that this was a very well-rounded conversation. This is actually the first time that I have recorded such a long discussion. Uh, The reason for that being is that this is also the first piece of original content that I'm posting onto my podcast that I've created recently. Personally, I listen to quite a few podcasts and I noticed that most of them are within an hour or an hour and a half in length. And I personally enjoy listening to them on my drive to and from work. I know that many brothers already watch my YouTube channel. If you're not watching this on there already. However, there is definite value in having something educational to listen to while you're driving. And I suspect that many brothers even use my YouTube channel for the same thing. So I just wanted to branch out and expand uh, Masonic improvement in the different mediums that we're using to get the word out about what we're doing. Finally, if you enjoyed this content, there's several things that you can do. First of which is if you're on YouTube, like the video and subscribe to it. And regardless if you're on YouTube or the podcast, if you found value, again, please just share this with other like-minded brothers or brothers that you think would enjoy hearing some of this content. You can also support Masonic Improvement. I will include links to buy me a coffee and our Patreon in the show notes. And so not to get into the weeds too much on this, but Freemasonry is a hobby of mine, no doubt about that. However, making content does take time and time is money. So this is time that I could be spending doing Masonic things or spending time with my family. However, I love my fraternity enough. And I think that this, this message of Masonic improvement is important enough that it's worth taking the time to create. And the reason I say that is because I do appreciate every donation that comes my way. Some of you have commented in the past on the ads that I run in YouTube. You'll also notice that if you're listening to podcasts, that there are ads on that as well. I would love nothing more than to turn off the ads. I think they actually detract from the message. However, at this point, it just does not make sense to do so. If we ever get to a point where donations exceed what I would make through ads, then I will immediately turn them off and never look back. However, as I said, I I put quite a bit of time into my content. The website costs money every year. Uh, The equipment I use costs money. Um, Everything in this world has a price. 
And so I would just like to be able to have Masonic Improvement pay for itself. So all that to say, again, check out the links below for Buy Me A Coffee or Patreon. Any contributions are appreciated. That's all I have to say for this video. Again, thank you, Brother Yates, for coming and, and speaking with me. If you, have, if you brothers have any thoughts about who you'd like me to reach out to for interviews, please just send me a message or leave a comment, and I'll see you on the next video. Take care.